Today's episode is the six-month update episode of Died by Suicide. Um, it's I'm going to be talking about some things I've noticed long-term as well as some things that I have had a recent revelation about. Um, I'm not going to talk about the kids too much, mostly because there's another episode I'd like to do on them separately. Um, but they're doing okay. And I'm also going to be chatting a little bit about dating. So we'll see where it goes. <laughs> um, also, I am supposed to be recording a podcast tonight with my cousin Connor. Um, shout out who gives a dram. Um, we're going to be tasting his or the scotch bottles that I won at the bourbon ball and reviewing them and then I will actually be talking about this podcast publicly for the first time whenever he releases it so it's kind of a big day a little anxious but I think it'll be great so here we go it's been six months since John died and something Weird kind of happened that I didn't expect to happen just based on how angry I've been with him. Um, I had this moment where I really missed him. <laughs> I know, crazy, and miss your dead husband. But I, so this might be a little bit weird, but this is just me. The night that I found out he died... I came home and I turned on the lights and the lights were flickering like crazy. Like they've never done this before. They occasionally um, flicker, but like they were just, it was cra- It was very odd. They have never done that before, but since he has died, they do it occasionally. And I generally take that as... John's around and like I said that might be kind of crazy to some people but there's definitely times where I really feel that his presence or my dad's presence is around and generally when the lights are flickering to me that's John with that being said I also usually say what the fuck do you want you left me I'm dealing with this you know (laughs) I usually just yell at him um but this last time that the lights were flickering and I was like yes love what would you like I just kind of said it in a tone I would say when I was like I need to do something but I will pay attention to you and it was very weird it was very kind of like an automatic thing like I didn't have to think about it I didn't you know I wasn't like oh that might be cute you know I just it just happened um and I started having a couple of like happy memories of him which has been very weird because I feel like all of my memories of him have been severely tainted and it's hard for me to think about him without being mad over either him dying by suicide or because in those memories I know that he's been drinking and it just makes me it infuriates me um I think about 
Like there's this one picture of the kids christening and it's a very lovely picture of the family, but I absolutely hate it because I remember being just so mad at him in that time frame that I just, I don't even like looking at it. It was even hard for me to, when I was writing his obituary and posting things about him because not only was, I don't think I was even mad at that time. I just didn't know, like I honestly, I didn't know how he felt about me, if he loved me. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that I always felt second to alcohol, especially in, you know, the last couple, maybe three years of our life, um, where making sure that he had alcohol was more important to him or drinking was more important to him than me or how I felt about it or our relationship. And I think, or when I think back on our relationship, those are kind of the first memories that pop up, the ones that piss me off, the ones that are with him drinking where I had to handle a lot of things or, you know, there's one time when it was right after I had Piper and it was his birthday and I had set up a surprise birthday party for him so we could all go see Top Gun 2 and his friends were going to meet us there and then we're all going to go out to dinner and I remember going out to dinner afterwards him and not expecting it and mind you like I'm three weeks postpartum with Piper and I've set up this surprise party and well surprise kind of get together um, and I've made sure that I have two babysitters because we have a brand new baby and Jack and like he's kind of like he doesn't and he's super pumped about the movie but then afterwards I was like oh yeah we're gonna go out to dinner he's like oh well I, I wish you, if you told me we were gonna be out this late I could have stopped and got beer and it's like you're fucking kidding me dude <laughs> I was really I was really pissed about that but I of course I didn't I didn't really say anything I just kind of let it go um but that's kind of like where a lot of my memories go to are just times where he pissed me off or I think about certain things or I see certain pictures and that's all I can think about. Um, but I was able to think about some nice memories of him and have some happy feelings about him or like sad, happy where I missed you, that kind of thing, instead of just being straight up in a Hulk rage, um, which I think is a good improvement. I didn't expect it to happen this early on, I guess. Um, but we did have good times together. And I feel like a lot of this podcast maybe or maybe just like the way of feeling is like I'm just shitting on a dead person. But I'm not trying to do that. I'm really trying to work through my feelings and maybe come to some of my own resolution because I'm not going to get it from him. Um, but I also think a lot of it comes from being scared to trust myself again and trust myself with another partner where I've kind of got back into thinking about it or trying to date. And that's where I think a lot of that scariness comes from is like, how am I supposed to trust myself when this is the person that I picked and this is what happened to me? I will say 
when after the whole lights flickering thing, when I had the nice memories of him, I randomly was just looking on Instagram and I saw that Theo Vaughn, who's a comedian that he and I used to listen to a lot, um, was having a show or well, I just saw actually just like random videos of him and I was trying to see if there was a show coming up for when the guys were going to be home from deployment. Um, but I found that there's actually, there was actually one two weeks from that time, which was amazing. And I got tickets and my friend Amber and I went, which made John super jealous. <laughs> we keep doing all the stuff that he wants to do while he's away. Um, but it was really nice. The next day, however, I had like a major panic attack, which was interesting to kind of work through. Um, I have been pretty, been doing pretty good with my anxiety and pretty good with my anger because I've, you know, like I work out, I try not to, um, drink too much caffeine because I know that sets it off a lot. Um, I try to do my cold plunges, you know, go on walks, do all of these things and to kind of like burn off all of this anxious energy I have. But when I don't have the ability to do that, um, sometimes it creeps up on me. And there was a lot of little things that happened, you know, between the Theo Vaughn concert and I was moving stuff out of my house in Cromwell into a different house and I was seeing um his family all of his family got together for a little reunion and I haven't seen them pretty much since the funeral all of those things like together I didn't really think that they would be a big deal but they ended up like giving me an absolute massive panic attack and I had to really coach myself breathing through it so that was kind of weird, um, but I made it through there, and it's just been kind of these moments, instead of having constant anxiety, having constant things, it's like sometimes it, my anxiety or my anger is is okay, it's like at very low levels, but now I feel like it'll creep up and just surprise me, which is nerve-wracking. When, you know, I'm going to be starting school, nursing school in August and I can't go do all of my little, my little coping mechanisms, you know, I can't, if I'm having a rough time, you know, in class or in clinical, I can't just leave and straight up force gum run it, you know, for the next hour. But so I'm working on trying to find some other coping mechanisms, things that I can do if I get anxious, um, in order to help myself when I'm in a setting or if I have a week or some a day where I can't go run or I can't go cold plunge or I can't go, you know, work out, um, which a lot of it is deep breathing. Um, I've done some more rage singing in my car, which is good. I've gotten some better songs. Um, weirdly enough, it I had this like really epic need to uh, – sing The Shallows and Hold My Hand, both by Lady Gaga. Um, the Shallow, or In the Shallows, I don't know the whole title, 
but that comes from the movie A Star is Born, which is about suicide. Um, and then the other one is Top Gun 3 or Top Gun 2, which to me is like I just I woke up and I was like, oh, God, I really want to sing these songs, which once again, I might be crazy, but that's just me. And it took me a little bit to figure out that they were both in these movies that John and I used to watch. And maybe it's him. You know, maybe it's me holding on to like little memories of him. And it is what it is, but it's made me feel better. And it makes me feel that I'm having some growth instead of just singing kind of breakup songs (laughs) or (laughs) What I was singing before, I think it was Bailey Zimmerman, Rock in a Hard Place. You know, these kind of songs about holding my hand and caring. And, you know, maybe that's because my life is slowly getting back to normal or getting to a place where I am not just so angry. Which is a good thing because I don't like being angry all the time. The other hard part about having some better memories of him is that it was kind of short-lived at least this time I you know was kind of feeling better about thinking about him and then Jack had a little bit of a meltdown at school which automatically makes me want to hire a medium and have her or him spiritually punch John in the face because it's it's so hard, I think, when the kids or when Jack has a hard day. And like I said, I'll update. I'll do a little update. He's kind of going through it right now. Um, we're working on it, you know, taking it day by day, working with his play therapist, working with school. But that part just breaks my heart. That's the hardest part. It's like you can, you can fuck with me. I just don't fuck with my kids. So, but I will say in... When it comes to Jack thinking about John, I always am happy to hear his memories. I'm always happy to talk about John. I do my best um, to make sure that Jack feels that he can talk to me about John, that he doesn't feel that he has to hide his memories or not think about him or not talk about him. Um, You know, I talk about him with my nieces and nephews when they bring him up. So it's not just, I think it's mostly me that, has these kind of anger memories where every a lot of other people have really good memories of him and that makes me happy because I do want him to be remembered in the way that he was he was a really good person he put a lot of people and a lot of things before himself and there's so much that I loved about him and so much that I just wish I could be around him again But it's also trying to hold on to the pieces of somebody that was that he used to be versus how he was um, when he died or right before he died. I've been talking with one of my aunts about one of her friends that is struggling with a partner that is a deep alcoholic and she sometimes doesn't know why this person doesn't leave, why they keep going back, all of these things. And it's kind of a, 
I wouldn't say a reflection, but it's a little bit eye-opening because, yeah, it is easy to say, well, why didn't you leave? Why did you say? But when you think about it or when I think about it, it's John wasn't always like that. When we first started dating, he wasn't like that. Um, he didn't drink that much. He was super motivated. He, I mean, he was going to the gym like twice a day. He was working. We were going to medic school. We were kind of like all in the, all in the shit together. And he just kind of like slowly changed, you know, it's like, like 1% of the time he slowly changed. And I always held on to those moments or those memories or those times with him where it reminded me of when we first started dating or reminded me of when we fell in love. And I think, you know, dealing with somebody that even if they're depressed or they're alcoholic or they're having issues, it's like you hold on to these moments because those are the moments that you fell in love with them and you hope they get back to you. They hope that person comes back. And I think that a lot of this was riding on this deployment that he was supposed to go on where I was expecting him to come back and figure his shit out. I mean, he had figured his shit out before. Like he was sober for three months when he was doing his flight physical and all of that stuff to get into the medevac unit. And he had been, you know, sober for a couple months when he was trying to help a friend out be sober. And he did all of those things for other people, but he didn't do them for himself. And he didn't do it for me. And I think that's what is also upsetting. You know, this kind of constant, uh, I guess, constant feeling of just being second to alcohol, to be second to something where I'm not good enough to be the priority. Um, it's just like a constant revolving door of, I love this person. He's amazing. Why am I not good enough? Can I change him? Let's work on changing why am I still not good enough? Why is he still drinking? And I think that happens, like I said before, a lot of people, like even if it's not alcoholism, even if it's drugs or if it's depression or if it's something, it's you can put all the effort you want into it. It doesn't matter until they put effort in. And that's kind of what's scary about starting or possibly starting to date again because now – if I decide to, you know, choose a per- partner or if I decide to get married or something again, it's like these are like major fears I have. It's like it's not only do I not trust other people, but I don't trust myself. And on top of that, it's not only do I have to worry about myself, but I also have two kids that I need to make sure are okay. And the... <laughs> The task of, you know, trying to f- be a good mom and go to school and do all the things I want to do and take time for myself and have time for friends and family and date is like almost impossible, I feel like. Um, but I'm kind of doing it a little bit here and there. So I will say when. A couple months after John died, I had downloaded Tinder and it was just kind of to see what was out there, but also to see if 
I would be wanted, I guess. Um, Because not only am I not this cute little thing in my 20s anymore, I, you know, am a mom. I am, you know, I have a C-section scar. I have, I'm like, my body's completely different from when it was when I was dating again. You know, it's kind of like scary. It's like, well, people be attracted to me or at least the people that I'm attracted to, will they be attracted to me? So I kind of started with Tinder and the first time that I got a like or I think someone said hi to me, I like threw my phone and I was like, okay, clearly I'm not ready. Like this terrifies me. I'm not ready, but at least one person in this world thinks I'm attractive. And that being said, like I'm not trying to fish for compliments. Like I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm just so ugly. Like I think I'm a decently attractive person, but it's also – it's nerve-wracking to think about other people seeing you again, you know, in intimate ways, maybe, possibly, who knows. But it's also scary to, like, put yourself out there when you have felt second, you know, to alcohol or second to other things. And it's like, how am I supposed to put myself out there as a priority and want to be a priority for other people when I haven't been for so long? Um. I will also say that I never put my kids on any – I was on Bumble, I was on Tinder, and I was on Hinge. I'm off all of them now. I think they're terrible. Um, They're just not my thing. Some people might use them. Some people might do great on them. I just feel like, to me, they take up a lot of my time because I feel like you have to be constantly on them. Or that might just be, like, my own perception of it um, that – you have to be on it, or at least I was on it. Like if I had downtime, and be like, oh, let me just look at my phone. And then you just get like focus on it. And then I just don't like it. Like I just, I like meeting people, I think, organically. And even though for a little bit I felt like, okay, I really have to meet. Like I just have to rip off this Band-Aid. Like I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. And I finally just kind of was like, no, fuck it. I don't have to do this. Like I can take things slow. I can you know, do what I want when I'm ready. And that kind of really helped me. And so instead of, you know, trying to be on these dating apps where people are just either trying to, you know, show you around a museum or do other dirty things in public, (laughs) whether they so boldly ask, um, you know, it's, it's just not for me. Um, but I think I was saying before, like I never put the fact that I had kids on Tinder or any of my, my social dating profiles because I feel like that is just an advertisement for either pedophiles or people that are looking for vulnerable people um, to like hone in on. So I've never done that, but I've also never tried to hang out with somebody or match with somebody you know, all like four people I've ever matched with through the dating profiles because they just are garbage pants. Um, But, you know, match with anybody that definitely didn't want kids. Like I didn't want to be completely unfair, but I also wanted to protect myself and and the kids from anybody out there, which is also terrifying about dating profiles. Like you have no idea. You just have what people want you to see. And I don't like that. I like to see people in their like own 
natural habitat. Like I like to see how people interact with other people. I like to have conversations with them that aren't just, what are truth, truths and a lie? What's, what's your favorite color? Like just stupid shit like that. Like I like having actual conversations with people in front of their faces. Um, so yeah, so it's right now in this whole dating crazy world, um, I have decided pretty early on, like I think a month or so ago, maybe even more when I was going to like, okay, I'm okay with dating now. And I said to myself, I'm not going to put pressure on myself to try to find anybody. I'm just going to let things happen. You know, I'm okay with never getting married again. I'm okay with getting married again. I'm okay kind of like with ever, but whoever I'm with, especially if like we get married, it's like, I don't want to lose myself in the relationship. I don't want to lose me and that's hard for me to do. So I've got to definitely take it very slow and very casual while I'm getting all my stuff done through nursing school, maybe a little bit after because I've slightly decided that I want to get an MBA and also start a foundation and do 500 other things because that's just kind of how I work. My anxious energy kind of turns into this like, well, I'm going to do everything all at once. Um, But yeah, so I will say that I also, you know, being a completely different person now maybe than when I was in in my 20s dating. I'm okay with searching for the red flags than trying to find them out at a later date. You know, instead of trying to fuck around and find out, I find out so I don't have to fuck around. Um, I also have no problem, you know, putting up boundaries or saying that I'm not ready for something Yeah, and I feel like that has worked out really well. Like, I'm just pretty honest about where I'm at with certain things. Um, I even, like, almost went on a date once, and I just had a panic attack, and I was like, okay, I'm sorry, I can't do this. This is, like, too much for me right now. I had something major happen to me, and I thought I was ready, but I'm not. And the person was super nice about it, which was, I don't, it was, like, good for me to see that, that, at least the person that I almost went out on a date with once um, wasn't a terrible person or at least respected the fact that I wasn't ready. And so that helps. But I'm still a little nervous about dating. I'm nervous about kind of opening myself up again. I'm nervous that I just have a broken picker. You know, I'm not going to pick somebody that's good. I'm just, or they're just going to let me down, you know, in five, 10 years. But I'm trying to work through that. I think the biggest thing that I've learned over the last couple months, over the last, you know, six months, at least with myself, is that I've got to do the work. I've got to have patience. You know, I'm doing the work to get better, go to therapy. I've been going to these group sessions, these support groups. I've been working out. I've been, you know, 
watching my alcohol, my caffeine and all like the bad stuff intake, I've been having fun and making sure that I take care of myself, but it's not going to change everything overnight. It's still going to be a long journey. And then I have to have patience. Patience, I think, both in my world and with dating, you know, with John being gone, it just feels, you know, there's a one big part of me, obviously, that I'm missing and I can't fix that by myself. You know, there's, I'm missing a partner, I'm missing intimacy, I'm missing, you know, just being in love and I love being in love, but I have to be patient with that because I need to make sure that I am taking care of myself. I'm taking care of the kids first and foremost. And then I can invite somebody in who I trust in my space. And I have to be okay with that. You know, I think being patient and putting the work in is really difficult, especially being patient for me because, like I said, I have like this anxious almost manic energy it feels like sometimes I want to get everything done all right then but I think taking things slow and being okay with the fact that everything's not happening right now that you know I'm not 100% better that I'm not 100% trusting people I'm not 100% there is okay because it's really I think it's going to be a life journey but as long as I keep working on myself and I keep doing, you know, the next right thing and doing good things for myself and other people, then it will work out. At least that's what I'm manifesting is that it will all work out. And I hope that whoever is listening, it's probably my mom, once I teach her how to listen to podcasts, you know, that maybe take away just working on yourself, checking in with yourself and doing the right things for you. And if other people who, you know, don't agree with that or don't support that, well, tell them to go kick rocks because you're very important. I think that is all for this episode, for this six-month update. And thank you for listening.